<laughs> I think we're live. I just hit the wrong button again. What's up, everybody? This is Gratitude Unfiltered. I hope to God we're live. Maybe I should check. <laughs> oh, dual live stream. You gotta love it when you're producing the show yourself and a little fidgety and pushing buttons and a little everything's just kind of all over the place today. I think I'm live. It may say I'm checking Facebook. But what's up, everybody? This is Gratitude Unfiltered and <laughs> we're live right now on the E360 network, I think. We're live on Facebook right now. I am live. Thanks, Mom. Uh, <laughs> my, my mom just texted me to let me know that I am live. I did kill the button. Um, I'm I'm a little fidgety, a little feisty, and this mud I just drank may not help any. I'm sweating out. <laughs> I love it when I start all discombobulated. Let's see. I have two different live streams going on, so this is good. Anyway, so happy to be here. Um, and I <clears throat> I love the days that I feel like I have a little bit of venom that I want to spit. And, and then I want to figure out, okay, how do I want to unleash this venom that I have right now? Other than laughing and goofing and messing things up. And, and I think this is proof, too. Like when you're a little feisty and a little bit, ugh, like things get a little off, like you're not in flow. Hence why I think I killed the life. I, I, I'm fortunate I didn't kill the live stream, but I almost did. But that's what happens when you're, you know, you let anger or resentment get a hold of you. Things just get off. And that's where I'm at right now. Um, and I'm sweating, literally sweating. See my hands? I'm sweating because I drank some mud. And if you don't know what mud is, Mud is this drink that has a bunch of mushrooms and turmeric, and I probably said that wrong, uh, and a bunch of good stuff in it. But I probably should not have drank that because now I'm sweating. <laughs> so, anyway, um, what do I want to? Where do I want to start? I've got a lot of stuff today, but one of the I two things that happened. I guess I'm going to address that and then just let things go where they need to go. But I had somebody reach out to me today. And said, words have power, right? And I was like, yeah, words have power. And so that person was afraid to actually say what they wanted to say out of fear of what they were about to say, having power and messing them up. So it brought up an interesting dynamic. Like, what do you say? Like, when you even want to talk about something negative or you bring up something bad that happens... Um, or you, you know, you need to know how to talk it, talk about it, but if you're afraid, if you verbalize it, that will have some power. And I thought that was a really interesting thing because does that mean like literally everything we say has power? It's a pretty, I think it's an interesting argument because think about how many things that we say in jest. Think about when we're sarcastic or think about when we're, you know, maybe we're just frustrated and we just go, ah, bleep, you know, and like, what kind of energy does that have behind it? So, like, anytime someone has a question and I don't have an answer, I'm like, what does the Bible say about this? Or I search for a devotional. So we're going to go into that. But then I saw this. I got a bunch of stuff today that I kind of want to go over. So I found this letter. So one of the things that I did a bunch when I first got back to Oklahoma 
was I went to these prayer rooms and I, you know, I go to, was going to go to corporate prayer and, but I was also going to prayer rooms and this is where people that are prophetic pray over you. And I found one of the letters in the most random of places today. And I'm not going to read you what this letter says because it's, it's for me. It's not for you, but these kind of things, you know, it's like, well, this is in line with what I believe and blah, blah, blah. But I saw this at the very end in this prophetic message. And these, when prophetic messages are basically messages from God and sometimes delivered through other people, prophetic messages can come in a lot of different ways. But one of the things that I saw on here, and I've heard this one, two, three, four, five, six or seven times from people that in the last six months of people that have like a, a word for me. And a word, again, is like a prophetic word. And sometimes it's very, very basic. Sometimes it's complex. But the one thing that it always goes back to is seek first the kingdom of God. It's said to me all the time. And I'm like, and every time I hear it, I'm like, well, I do. Like, I don't roll over out of bed when I wake up and the first thing I do is look at Facebook. No. I... I push play on the Bible app and listen to it until I'm awake enough to actually read it or, you know, whatever readings I do that day. But it's, I'm always start with the Bible. So I'm like, okay, well, am I doing this right? So after seeing this today, I thought, well, how many other people have this question? Because I'm going to say bestitudes. Is it bestitudes? Cause I've been calling it the beatitudes <laughs> because I don't know. I want it to be beatitudes, but it's bestitudes. Maybe I think, I think that was how it was corrected. But in that, it talks about seeking first the kingdom of God. So I thought, okay, I want to look this up. Like, what exactly does this mean? Can you give me some big description on what seeking first the kingdom of God means? So I was like, okay, here we go. So I don't want to read all the other stuff on here, but seven ways to seek first God's kingdom every day. Here's seven ways. So hopefully, maybe if you've had this question, this is going to answer it for you. Or maybe you think you know the answer, and maybe this is going to give you a different perspective. I don't know. But we're about to find out together, for those of you who don't know, because there's a lot of people that watch this show that don't have a relationship with Jesus. You're curious about it, or you have a perception about who Jesus is that may be wrong. Or you have a perception about what Christianity is, and maybe it's wrong. So... We're going to go into it. Prayer. Duh. Who would have thought? Prayer. How easy. First Thessalonians 5.17 challenges us to pray continually. Many other Bible verses offer similar message. Prayer is important. Jesus spoke to the Father often, relaying that importance. I think Jesus prayed probably more than he spoke. I mean, to other people. Like in casual conversation. I'm pretty confident I get this feeling that Jesus was like constantly praying and the rest of the time, like he would hang out with people and, you know, like show them how to bring the kingdom of heaven down to earth and all that good stuff. But I'm pretty confident. It just seems like Jesus prayed a lot. So it's fitting that this would be first. Jesus spoke to the father often, relaying that importance. He prayed with many people and in groups, but he also spent time alone with God. And during those solitary moments with his father, we note an intimate communion between the two of them, the two of them, such as in Matthew 26, verses 39, 42, and 44. 
that opportunity for intimacy through prayer exists for us too. I want to say something that may make you a little upset, but I don't know. It's true. Jesus is no different than you and I, except for the fact that he lived without sin. Now, I know Jesus in heaven is different than the Jesus that was here on earth, but that Jesus was just like us. He didn't have any superpowers or, I mean, like he wasn't like everything he did, we can do here. That's the point of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was no different. So everything that Jesus did here while he was on earth, we can do the same, including prayer and having that intimacy with God through prayer. Reading the Bible. It's easy enough to rely on our pastor and other spiritual leaders to feed us God's word, as many of them have wonderful insight. And they do. But you'll notice that when you, <clears throat> you'll notice that if you go to multiple churches, if you've gone to different churches, you'll hear people interpret or preach the word a little bit differently everywhere you go. They have a different interpretation for what things mean. There's a lot of preachers that won't preach that the kingdom of the kingdom of heaven is inside of you. A lot of people won't preach that, even though it's clear in the Bible that the kingdom of heaven is inside of you. So it's easy enough to rely on our pastor and other spiritual leaders to feed us the word of God, as many of them have wonderful insight. But our father wants to meet with us personally, and he often does that through scripture. We rely solely on man when something much more personal. Why rely solely on man when something much more personal remains available? Fair point. Because, again, you can go to church, but church is not relationship with God. That's... That's not what it is. Relationship is every day. I mean, like if you only hit up your girlfriend once a week or your wife, like, hey, baby, what's up? And then you were expecting sex, but you haven't talked to her all week. Do you really think you're going to get sex? I mean, like, don't you, doesn't the, the your, your, your spouse want to have some romance and relationship? Like, how's my day? Rub my feet. I mean, I mean, not that you're going to wash Jesus. Well, you could wash his Jesus's feet if you go to heaven, but I mean, you know what I mean? Like if you're only paying attention once a week, like most Christians do when it comes to their relationship with God and they show up on Sunday and I'm, yeah, I mean it. Most Christians or most people that identify as Christians, that's how, that's their relationship with God is going to church on Sunday. That's not how it works. It's every day. It's a relationship. But in that relationship, you read God's word, and that's how you get to know God. You, that's how you get to know what God wants from you, what God expects from you. And really, it's the guide to how you bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. God gave us his word so that we can keep our <clears throat> God gave us his word so that we can keep our way pure. According to Psalms 119.9, it's a light unto our path and a lamp for our feet. When we've read and know the Bible and pro the promises of God, we're strengthened to stand firm against sin. Because we've spent time with him through his word, our relationship deepens. This is a means of seeking first God's kingdom. Worship. Number three. Some of these are just like, duh. <laughs> but worship is something that a lot of people don't fully understand, believe it or not. Have you ever worshipped in your living room, outside, or among the church pews? 
This time of intimacy, simply recognizing God as the Almighty and honoring him for who he is, ushers us into his presence. If at a loss for words, try reading and praying a psalm. Psalm 91 is awesome. These Bible verses are full of worship. Consider a hymn or other worship songs as well. Basically, singing worship music, singing praise, praising God's name, thanking God out loud, which can also be a form of prayer or worship. Same thing. Now, this one's big. I think this one's probably the most important, and it's pretty clear because Jesus says it in like one sentence. Have you ever seen the signs dotting the roadsides with the message, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near? John the Baptist preached that message in the book of Matthew. Some folks continue proclaiming it today. Or if you have watched a sports game on television, you might have noticed a sign proclaiming, proclaiming John 3.16. These messages relate to repentance, a necessary heart attitude for salvation, eternity in heaven, and keeping with the righteousness of God. All of us sin. Still God loves us, every person on earth. He desires all that come to him, turning from those sins. Whether it's for the initial repentance leading to salvation or a daily heart check after salvation, we're wise to seek first God's kingdom by leaning on and trusting instead, of, instead in the grace of Jesus Christ, repenting as God prompt us. Basically, turn away from your sin. If you know you're doing something wrong, turn away from it. Walk away. Do it no more. Ask for forgiveness. Move on. That's all it is. And if you don't know, like an area of your life that maybe you do need to repent from, this is one of the beauties of the Holy Spirit, is that the Holy Spirit will show you. I've been convicted all day that I'm freaking pissed off. Like, I'm angry. I'm really angry right now. Like, I'm so angry I'm sweating. And... You know, and I keep verbalizing it, and words have power, and we're going to go into that in a second. But I'm, I'm angry right now. Like, I'm angry for being lied to. I'm, 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 I'm angry that somebody decided that they wanted to toy with, try to toy with me mentally. Try to toy and to bait me and, to, you know, and to, to a false belief, or I can go on and on, and I'm not going to give it any more power. Because in the end, I forgive them. I'm pissed, but I forgive them. I think I'm more upset with myself because I allowed it, you know, and and I pray. I, I mean, when something sounds too good to be true or something, you know, people come and, and make a lot of promises or people come and blow smoke up your butt, you know, I mean, sometimes it feels good, <laughs> you know, you're like, hey, this is wonderful. But the truth is that when they have no intention in following through, you know, it, it does hurt because you wasted time or you spent time, you know, be whether it's being a friend or letting them in or like maybe I can trust you, you know, and it feels a little bit like betrayal. And it sucks. But you know what? As I said betrayal, I was triggered to remember something. Holy jeez, this is amazing. Wow. Okay. So, um, I love it when this happens. Jesus was betrayed. But the betrayal always leads to a blessing. I wish I could remember what my pastor says about this. Wow. I have it in my notes somewhere, but I don't, I'm not going to search live. 
on the E360 network because we are live and I'm not going to search while we're live and talking to Instagram TV and all that stuff. But I just it just now dawned on me that Jesus was betrayed in the worst way. And it led to the, bra the biggest breakthrough of his life. Betrayal is a good thing. So funny. Now I will say like the blessing is in the breaking. Like that's there. That's really cool. I know it's kind of random and I probably killed every piece of momentum of the show, but you know, that's that's God sometimes. Here I am full of piss and vinegar and I'm mad because I feel like I've been betrayed, feel like I've been misled, feel like I've been led down to some, you know, this time I didn't get so far in that I couldn't get out and I kind of, this time I had enough of a wall up that I didn't get in too deep. Nonetheless, I still feel betrayed. But one of the cool that I that's that's true. I mean, Jesus was betrayed right before he gave his life for us. Ooh, that's really heavy. I curse God today. I was so mad. I cursed God again. The last time I cursed God. Anger so stupid. The last time I cursed God, I was in jail. <laughs> what a humble reminder that is. What a humble reminder that is. Um, of how blessed I am. And even taking away having somebody trying to screw with my head. And I was so mad. And I, I, I was so mad. And I, 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 I had the audacity to blame God. And like, because I asked. I was like, this person's not of you. Remove them. They stuck around. But they lied. And anyway. But I was so angry that that's what I got to this morning. And I was like, okay, I know that that's not real. And I, I mean, I apologize for it. And I asked for forgiveness for cursing at God. But I did. I was mad. I was mad. I was so angry. And I've been like riding this anger all day. Because I know it's stupid. Like, I know that it's a lie. I know that it's a setup. I know, like, setup for something good. But I'm still angry. Or not angry now. Now I'm, like, embarrassed because I was angry at God. And I just basically was reminded of two very important things. Jesus was betrayed. And, um... Betrayals always prove to end up being a setup for something amazing. Oh, wow. And then, of course, also the reminder that I still should be in jail. <laughs> like, I, 
think maybe I would be out by now, but whatever. Like, I could be there. Wow, that's humbling. Now I just feel stupid. <laughs> Words have power. I get it. Okay. So repentance. Good time for that. I cursed at God today. I was so angry. So all of us sin. Still God loves us. Every person on earth. He desires that all come to him. Turning from their sins. Whether it's for the initial repentance leading to salvation or daily heart check after salvation. We're wise to seek first God's kingdom by leaning on and trusting and said in the grace of Jesus Christ, repenting as God prompts us. Number five, memorizing Bible verses. Number six, praise. People like praise. Can you imagine how much more God does? Isn't that interesting? God who created everything, he needs his props. Like, I love this. Like, at the very beginning of the, the Lord's Prayer, it says, um, Our Father, or hallowed be the, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, which is praise your name. Like, that praising, like, God, it's like the man, you, it's the guy that created everything. So, like, why wouldn't you go to him to give thanks? I mean, we expect other people to say thank you. You know, when we open the door for somebody and they don't say thank you, and you're like, screw you like can you imagine how God must feel when we don't thank him for all of our blessings like think about it look at everything around you or actually you don't even have to look around you just look inside you you have a computer in front of your face like what are you watching this on think about that like how blessed are we really we're so blessed but where do those blessings come from well, I didn't give myself any talent. I didn't give myself any gifts. I didn't create this fabulous body. Just kidding. God did. So, of course, he would want his praise. And I skipped over Bible verse memorization. One way to combat the temptation to worry or grow anxious is to know God's word. The Bible helps us understand what's right in God's eyes. It's his love letter to us and is our only offensive weapon listed in our spiritual weapons in Ephesians 6. Which is, children obey your Wait, I'm not reading all that. <laughs> Sorry. Psalms 119.11, the writer proclaims that he hid the word of God in his heart, memorized it, internalized it, and understood it, so that he wouldn't sin against God. Like God's word, like the knowing part in your heart, like here it is, the heart again, it's emphasizing heart in this verse. Like if you know it in here, nothing can stop you. Like no curse can be spoken against you. There's no one that can tell you that you're not good enough when you know what God says about you in your heart. Because if you know what God says about you, then you're going to know, like you're going to start to think, if you know in your heart what God really believes about you and thinks about you, then you know what? Your beliefs about yourself won't be so much different. It's almost impossible because God is inside of you. 
So if you know what God is saying about you and you believe it in your heart, then the way that you do life will dramatically change. When we take time to seek and memorize Bible verses, we're prepared at the moment's notice to cast off temptation with truth, strength, and the righteousness of God. We know what's best because of those verses. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Last one, Thanksgiving. Psalms 104 also indicates we enter his gates with thanksgiving in our heart. Gratitude in your heart. Thanksgiving plays a role in God's kingdom. And with wisdom, we offer it. Power ignites when we offer thanks in times of good and bad, trial or otherwise smooth situations. Man, everything's like heart and love. Heart and love. Love is truth. Truth is love. Thanksgiving, gratitude, have it in your heart. Something about that. Like when I remember, if you, those of like, it's been a few episodes ago, and then some of you are new that are watching the show. But one of the things that I was talking about, like I've talked about in previous episodes, is that there's a brain inside your heart. And I'm not going to go into the heart transplant story again, but it, it's, it's interesting. I don't know what episodes I've talked about it, but I've talked about this before. But like knowing how important your heart is, if your heart has a brain, like what would you do if you knew that this was the most important part of your body, of your faith, of your belief system, of everything? If you knew this was the most important part, which it appears that it is, because your mind lies to you, <laughs> your mind can be like being trapped in hell. So if everything's about protecting your heart and believing in your heart and knowing in your heart and thanksgiving in your heart, if everything's there, it must be pretty important. So what do you do to take care of it? Sure makes me think differently about eating fried foods. It makes me feel different about anything that I eat or consume, who I hang around with, what I feed my mind with. What I say about myself, sure, interesting. So what does it mean to seek God above all else? Ever had a sweet tooth craving? Did you open cabinet doors and dresser drawers in search of something that would satisfy it? God desires we search for him, but even more so than cravings for sweets. Seeking him above all else indicates trust in our God when it could easily be misplaced somewhere else. Our God is love. He is good. Everything about him rings with goodness, faithfulness, grace, and mercy. And our Father desires that we draw close to him, for he longs to pour this goodness out on us, for today and especially eternity. He promises to draw close to us in James 4, 8, and never forsake us. And simply he encourages you and I to seek him above all else, because he knows nothing compares to him. Not cars, money, other gods, addictions, or people. When times are rough or tough, when they're good, and especially when we're tempted to worry or grow anxious, remember Matthew 6.33, run to the Father. 
He's trustworthy. Seek God above all else. His love is right. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And don't forget the promise in the verse is final portion. And all things shall be added unto you. God is good. God, I feel like a butthole. How intellectually lazy is it to curse God or blame God for anything? It's so stupid. It's just stupid. And like, I'm not trying to be negative, and I know words have power, but that was stupid. I was angry. I was actually pissing vinegar angry. Mad. Like, I, I, I honestly, I'm surprised I didn't throw anything. Because that's how angry I was. So then, of course, that anger came out, and then what came out of my mouth was bad, and here we go. So I got to repent. But it's so true. There's never been one situation in my life, like even in jail, any of those times, there's never been one time that God abandoned me. I mean, there was times that I'm like going, dude, where you at? <laughs> like, where are you at, God? But he's always shown up. Always. Because God's like that. And that's pretty awesome. I was going to read something, but I don't feel like doing it. <laughs> there, there's, it's kind of funny, but I'll save it. So complaints. So here we go. This is a nice little segue into this, me, what I'm talking about, me wanting to basically act like a two-year-old and, you know, stomp on the floor and need my diaper changed and suck my thumb and all that stuff. Flip your complaints. I don't know about you, but life can get can get to me sometimes. For instance, the long hours at work that blur into the never-ending chores at home. If you show up to our house unannounced, there will be piles of laundry everywhere you look. I actually folded my laundry today. Finally, it's time to sleep, but not before washing baby bottles again. This is not my writing, FYI. How many babies that I know about? We know what I'm talking about. The physical and mental exhaustion keeps coming back. When it does, we get stressed out and overwhelmed, which makes complaining really easy. Still letting all of my frustrations out through mouthy griping and complaining doesn't help anyone. In fact, nearly always makes me feel worse. Yeah, I felt worse after I was complaining. Like, yeah, I felt worse. Like it didn't help anything. Me verbalizing and spitting all that venom didn't do any, it didn't do any good except kind of make my day funky, you know? But that's on me. That was my, my choice to have a bad attitude. It was my choice to gripe and to complain and to kick and to curse God. It was my choice because I let my emotions get the best of me. I mean, thank God this wasn't a couple years ago. I probably would have broken something. But still. So why do I do it? Out of the mouth, the heart speaks, and my heart is selfish. We all have selfish hearts. So how do we stop it? Here's one thing that helped me to be less selfish. Think about what you complain about. Then flip it. 
You're probably complaining about some of your greatest blessings you've never earned in the first place. Which is true. What I'm mad about, I didn't earn in the first place. I didn't. I didn't earn it in the first place. <laughs> the next time you want to complain about your job, flip it and thank God for providing for you through it. <laughs> this example, and some of you ladies will, uh, of course, some men do this too. But the bottles I wash every night belong to another gift from God, my baby. How, I'm, I'm curious. So I threw myself under the bus, so now it's time for you two. How many of you complain about having to feed your kids? How many of you complain about needing to bottle or breastfeed your child? How many of you complain about going to work? Anybody? We, we've all done it. Ah, I have to go to work today. Ah, stupid bottles. Ah, she's going to throw it up anyway. I, I think babies do that. I don't know. I'm not well versed in baby dialogue. Um, <laughs> but that's an example of cursing what God has blessed you with. And as I've said on the show, we are not to do that even though I did it myself. I'm guilty. I am not perfect. I'm not. <laughs> I'm so far from it. But again, as I said last night, you can love Jesus and still talk about him. You don't have to be a biblical scholar. You don't have to even know how to pronounce beatitudes or bestitudes. You don't even know have to know how to pronounce that to talk about it. You know? You don't have to. You're not supposed to be an expert. But you know what? The, the effort, the seeking, the wanting to grow closer, that's all beautiful. And back to the whole Bible thing that we were talking about before. Like, it's great to listen to, I mean, there's so many amazing teachers out there. So amazing pastors, apostles, amazing human beings. There's so many. And, and you, you can learn from them and you can, you know, it's like a school, right? But the real relationship growing comes in your time alone with God. Like that's where you learn about God. That's when you learn about Jesus and who he is for you, who he is inside of you. You learn through that time alone with him. Nowhere, nowhere, there's no other way. I mean, yeah, you can pray for a group of people, but that's that's up to bless them. But that time alone, when you're praying and talking to God in your car or wherever you pray, in your closet, in your attic, under your covers, wherever you do it, that's the intimacy. That's where you get to know God. The revelations come when you spend time alone with God in the Bible. And that's where you get to see. And I know I said some stuff on the show last night about like, you know, some of the Bible and man getting his grubby hands all over it. That's okay. That's fine. But I also said in that same sentence that that's still the word of God. Even though man came in and manipulated it and took some stuff out of it and that belongs there and some books that belong there, in my opinion, 
in my opinion. But even in that, the text that are, is available for you in the NIV and the, the Passion Translation, the King James, the New King James, any of those de denominations of the Bible, you read that, God will speak to you. The Holy Spirit will reveal to you what he wants you to see. And you'll have an understanding. And through that, your relationship grows. So how do we stop it? Here's one thing that's helped me to be less selfish. Think about what you complain about, then flip it. You're probably complaining about some of your greatest blessings that you've never earned in the first place. Next time you want to complain about your job, flip it and thank, you, and thank God for providing for you through it. The bottles I wash every night belong to another gift from God, my baby, whom I absolutely love and adore. My husband, again, not my words, who also gets tired and stressed out. He's an amazing dad and my best friend. When we look longer at our circumstances to see the true gifts they are, we can flip most anything into praise. Complaining brings discontentment and makes me feel empty. But running to Jesus with both my pain and my praise fills me up every time. And his grace is never ending just like the laundry in my living room. That's hilarious because that's true for me. I hate folding clothes. Jesus, thank you for every blessing you've given me. Help me run to you when I'm feeling worn down. You are my joy, my sustainer. In you, I have more than enough. Thank you again for your love and your grace. Amen. We really can flip any situation. You know, we can flip. I mean, like I talked about in this text, that some of the things that we get upset about were really, or we feel like were taken from us, were really never ours to begin with. And that's true. You know, in, 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 in this case of me being angry. But what I hope. As I sit here and, and, and kind of digest the fact that I just realized that I just talked about the, the anger, like I wanted to hide it. Like I didn't want to talk about it. In fact, the first time today I verbalized, other than when I got mad at God for now, which seems so ridiculous, like so ridiculous that I got mad at God today. But the first time I even verbalized how pissed off I was to anyone was to my mom. But, and it was also knowing that I know that anger was not justified. I knew the anger was not, what is the word? It wasn't a righteous anger. It was a selfish anger. It was a poor baby anger, whatever. Yes, I'm disappointed. Yeah, because it's not fun to have anyone try to screw with your head or try to screw with your vision or your dream. False promises suck. They just do, you know? But really, stepping out of it, I can look at it like betrayal. Was it really betrayal? I don't know, but that's what it felt like. So there's a blessing there. And everything that I know that I've experienced on this earth that has been considered a hardship, a setback, 
a struggle, anything like that, I can sit there and act like a victim. But when I think about, oh, Jesus went through all of this before me. He's experienced this at the worst level. As far as I know, I haven't been whipped and abused and had to carry a cross for a long period of time after being basically run over by 55 cars and whipped and beaten and spit on and like I didn't have to experience that so like how bad is it really yeah every, we all experience disappointment but the one thing I again that I keep going back to every time I've had one of those moments every time I've been betrayed every time I've been let down Every time I've had a door slammed in my face, every time that that I was expecting something that I was promised and it didn't come through, as heartbreaking and as hard as it was, God always showed up right behind that disappointment. And I don't know why it works that way. I can't explain that. And I'm not going to try. I mean, I could have a lot of opinions. Love your opinion if you got an opinion. But in the end, the one thing I know to be true, because the fact I'm still standing here after all the crap that I've done in my life, I am still standing here. I'm in perfect health and <laughs> I'm so extremely blessed. I'm watching my dreams come true. You know, am I exactly where I want to be? No, but man, I'm so blessed. So what the heck am I complaining about? Do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent. Children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. So that in a day of Christ, I will have reason to glory, because I did not run in vain, nor toil in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. That is a pretty verse. That is Philippians 2.14-18. through 18. I like that. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. I love that verse. Last one, Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary. 
and to him who lacks might he increase power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Oh, that's good. So that's a devotional called My Big Fat Mouth. <laughs> and I thought that was appropriate today because my big fat mouth started writing checks that it couldn't cash with God. <sighs> so one of the hardest things to do is after you know you've screwed up, after you know you've made a mistake, after you know that you've just blatantly um, sinned, <laughs> is to forgive yourself. Forgiving yourself is one of the most challenging things. It's, 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 it's funny that we always seek, there's always that one person, as we talked about last night, there's always that one person that we just hate that we need to forgive the most. And then we realize after that there's other people to forgive. But somewhere in there, of all of that, you'll realize that you have some forgiving of yourself to do. And you find that to be trickier than forgiving the person that you hate. And there may be some underlying something there that reveals that you hate yourself. And I know from my past behavior and the actions that I'd had, I've had over the, the years, I acted as a man who not only hated myself, but pretty much hated everybody in his path. But the key there is I hated myself. In a situation like this where you blatant, like for me, where I blatantly curse at God and get angry, it's so easy to go, God, will you forgive me for that? Like, I'm, I, I know it's not your fault. I'm an idiot. I let my mouth just, bleh, like, just, bleh, just like cursing someone out, you know? I didn't go that far. Just like cursed <laughs> a couple times. So I'm screaming at myself. But where the part that you again, it's it's easy to go right to God. To go, oh my gosh, I'm so, I'm sorry. Forgive me, please. I was completely out of line. Help me work on my temper. Help me work on my anger. Like help me learn to release this and handle this anger better. See, that's like immediate repentance, and that's good, right? Because then it didn't stay with you. You can let go of it. I don't have to walk around and feel guilty. I don't have to walk around and beat myself up because I cursed God. Like there's a lot of us, like we curse at other people, right? And like we don't think anything of it. Or maybe we do feel bad about it. Well, cursing God's like a whole other level of bad, I would think. So that happens. And it would be really, really easy to walk around for the next few days and be like, oh, I'm so stupid. I curse God. I'm going to hell and blah, blah, blah. And like just beating myself up over it. But no, I'm not. I'm not going to. I was angry. I goofed up. I, I've repented from it. I've asked for forgiveness. I've asked God to show me a better way of dealing with my anger. Or when I'm faced with something I don't like, I've asked for that awareness. 
and got it. So I get to move on now. Because God, Jesus, when you have a relationship with Jesus, you will quickly learn, hopefully, that God is not obsessed with sin. I mean, staying in it and taking bath and like scuba diving in it. Like, no, I'm not saying do that. But repent and move on. Why do I have to be burdened by this? Why do you need to be burdened by your sin? Ask for forgiveness, repent, and move on. It's really that simple. <laughs> I'm so thankful for the show. I'm so grateful that I get the opportunity to do this every day, even when it's not perfect, even when it's not cute and fancy and even though it's not everything I want it to be yet I'm so grateful to get to do this because being able to talk about just being pissed off I'm not pissed anymore like I'm free from that anger and rage that I had inside of me so thank you thank you for being my therapy and I hope, if anything, that this proves to you what confession does. What reaching out to talk to somebody would do. I mean, instead of me reaching out to talk to one person, I'm talking to thousands of you about how angry I am. Or was. Confessed my sin and shortcoming. And now, I'm free from it. It's kind of how it works. It's amazing. That's how awesome God is. Because in the time from the beginning of the show where I'm sweating and I'm pissed and I'm angry, within 10 minutes I was done. That's how powerful words can be. That's how powerful confession can be. That's how powerful a testimony is. So anything that you're guarding right now, any secret anything that you're struggling with, let it out, set it free, let it go. Anything undesirable that comes out of your mouth that you think that you need to break and bind, do it. You can take that thought, you can take that word, anything you say, and you can say, you can reverse it. Not cancel that statement. I cancel that negative talk. And speak life into yourself. Speak life into your situation. Speak life to yourself. One of the ways to do that is to speak the word of God to yourself. It's just a thought. You guys have a blessed night. Thank you.